Who in here has ever seen Forrest Gump before? It's a classic. So I love that movie, for the record. I want to. The reason I'm showing this clip first off is because, uh, for, well, let me give you the summary of the movie if you've never seen it before. It's clearly that's our main character there. His name is he's a guy named Forrest Gump, who was a kid that started from humble beginnings and then throughout the whole or throughout his whole life he ended up doing some pretty impactful things. He wrote the song Imagine, which everybody thought John Lennon had written. He exposed the Watergate scandal, which, uh, you know, it, it's, I, you, if you've never seen it, you don't know what I'm talking about. But he does all these, like, it, it's funny because in the movie they show him being involved in almost everything in American culture, and it's, it's really funny. But he started off his life in a very uh, humble beginning, right? He was this kid who was in, in Alabama. And I don't know if you, you kind of hear him talk about it a little bit, but he was born with, the, with a bad back. In fact, the doctor said that his back, it looked like a, a question mark. And they thought that the way to fix it was to put these big braces on his legs so that it would straighten his back up and help him with his posture, and maybe that would help. And eventually, I don't know if that was the reason, but eventually he was running. This is where the, the, the term, run, Forrest, run. You guys have heard that? That's where it's from. And so he takes off running out of his braces. But when he gets on this school bus in this clip that we just showed you, things were not very good for him, were they? He, he's walking in there, and he's looking for a seat. It's his first day of school, and a kid on the bus says, nope, can't sit here, nope. And the other one, he's like, can't sit here. And the other one's like, seat's taken. I, guys, I had to leave the South because of those accents. I can't take them. Seriously, I lived in North Carolina. I was like, this is killing me. So I married an Ohioan girl, all right? But, but uh, he, he, he sees, he kind of feels what it, it's like to be, you know, looked down upon, looked away. I mean, all because he had those braces on his legs. And he talked a little funny, right? But people would look at him like he was this uh, down-and-out guy. They, they treated him as if he was kind of like a reject. And what do you think that felt like? Probably didn't feel too good. Has anybody here ever been in a time where you felt rejected or you felt looked down upon? Has, any, has that ever happened to anybody? It's happened to me, I'll be honest with you, a couple times. Um, and so the, the reason I bring up this story is because we are going to be starting a new series this month. And this series, let's go ahead and put that graphic up if you don't mind. Our series is called Outcast. And the subtext up there says you are not created to be alone. Now, I, I love, I, I love that I, I think I'm really going to enjoy this series because it's a series where we're going to focus on the different outcasts in the Bible. And we're going to focus on what it means to be an outcast because, um, you know, being an outcast, it, it's a pretty lonely place to be. Right? If people look down upon you, if they, they treat you differently, right? And the thing is, some people are outcasts based on some things they can't even control, right? How you look, like uh, stuff like that. But then there's other people who have been put into this outcast situation because, because of things that they've done. Maybe you messed up in the past. Maybe you did something pretty terrible and people look down upon you. And so, the funniest thing uh, about, well, well, the cool thing about this series that we're going to be looking at is that in the eyes of Jesus, there are no outcasts. There are no outcasts. And that's what the title of my message tonight is, No Outcasts. If I was to write that on this whiteboard over here, it, it's not to say outcasts are not allowed, no outcasts. That's not what we're saying. We're saying in the eyes of God, there are no outcasts. God does not see people as, as, uh, as less. He doesn't, he doesn't hold stuff against people. And what I want to do for this whole series, I, I'm, I'm really trying to speak to two kinds of people here, okay? The first is maybe there are people in this room who you feel like you're an outcast. You feel like you've been rejected. You feel like, maybe, I don't know, you've got family that's maybe turned their back on you, okay? You were not created to be alone. 
Genoa Students is a place, hopefully, where you can come and realize that there are no outcasts here. If you come here, you will be loved. We will love you no matter what you do. That doesn't, let me just, disclaimer, that doesn't mean that when you do stupid stuff, we're not going to call you out on it, okay? We will. That's what we do here. But we will love you no matter what. So if you are an outcast, you're in the, the perfect place. I'm glad you're here. Second, the second group of people that I want to talk to over this month is the, the Christians in here. Are you a Christian who sees outcasts? Do you see people as less than they are? Do you see people as you look down on people, you reject them? I mean, the, the basic examples, the kid sitting by himself at the lunch table at lunch, right? Like the kid that has no friends. What, what do you do as a Christian about that? What do you do? The funny thing about Jesus is Jesus would get into these real, um, I'm not going to say a discussion. He'd get into these arguments with his inner circle because Jesus had this tendency to, to hang out with outcasts. He would, he would see people and he would, he would look past what they've done and he'd say, man, I want to I go eat dinner with this person. And next week, Nick and Andrew are going to talk to us about that where uh, he actually goes to dinner with a tax collector who everybody hates. They can't stand the tax collector because these guys uh, rip them off. They cheat them out of their money. And so when Jesus went and ate with this guy, all of his, his closer inner circle were like, what are you doing, man? Why are you eating with this guy? He's, look at him. He's a jerk. They steal our money. This is crazy. But remember, in the eyes of Jesus, there are no outcasts. Every, Jesus sees everybody the same way. So this is all based on this verse, uh, Luke 19.10. If we got it on the screen, let's put it up here. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. It's one of my favorite verses, okay? Because what this verse, this verse gives us exactly uh, the motive and the purpose of why Jesus Christ came, right? Say it with me. It was to seek and save the lost. That was the whole purpose. So what this means is that, do you think that there are lost people who are popular? Absolutely. Do you think there's lost people who are outcasts that are rejected by society? Absolutely. Jesus came for all of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and um, hopefully tonight I can get across to our bottom line, which is simply this. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's our bottom line. It doesn't matter what you've done. Some people really think that they've done so much to offend God, that they've, they've done so much that God will never forgive them. But guess what I'm here to tell you? That's not the case. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into a Bible story. And I want to talk about a certain outcast tonight. Uh, you've probably heard the story. And the, the point is, hopefully we can look at this and, and see people the way Jesus does. So uh, before I pray, it, who, does anybody need a Bible first off? I mean, we'll be putting it up on the screen. If you need a Bible, we, we've got some Bibles back here. Also, I would encourage you, use your phone. We've got our sermon notes on the phone. So just go to, or um, on our website, go to genoastudents.org, and you can see all of our notes, all of our Bible verses. Uh, we've got some videos up there. We've got all that stuff. So just make sure you go there, okay? Let me pray for you guys, and uh, we'll dive into some scripture. Here we go. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everybody that's here. God, as we dive into Scripture and we learn about um, these outcasts over the next couple of weeks, Lord, my prayer is that, um, like I said a minute ago, that we can see you or that we can see others the way you see them, God. You don't see outcasts. You, you, don't, you don't see people as worthless or less than others. Lord, you see them for who they are, and that's a child of you, God. God, give us, give us the ears to hear, and we thank you for everybody that's here. We love you, and we praise in your name. Amen. All right. Um, anybody know any sick people this week? Like, I know that the elementary school had like 30 kids that were out in one, like, it's crazy. The sickness is going around. All my kids are sick right now. Um, 
And just ladies, so you know, a lot of the high school girls went over to over there. So that's why we're a little light tonight. But let's go ahead. We're going to dive into John chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. And let me read you um, a portion of Scripture. And what I want to do is uh, this first outcast that we're going to be focusing on is a lady. And this is a lady who is... um, uh, she's done a couple things that, that kind of put her in this class of outcast. So we're going to read about this. But as we talk about her, I want us to, to follow this gradual progression of what she becomes. Because the story starts off, she is an outcast, but she becomes more than that. Okay? So follow along with me. The scripture's on the screen. Here it is. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, He left Judea and he went to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the uh, property that Jacob had given his son Jacob. I'm sorry, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. So, Let's stop there. We'll keep reading more in just a little bit. Has anybody heard the story of the woman at the well? Have you guys heard this before? It's, I remember growing up hearing this story all the time. And you know what's funny about this story is this is our first outcast, okay? It's this lady, this, Samar- this Samaritan lady. And think about this lady that, that makes her an outcast. It's hard to see if you don't know the context of what's going on in the story here or what's going on in the times here. Because if I was to just tell you, hey, uh, God or Jesus met some lady at a well— you'd be like, okay, that's no big deal. That's pretty cool, right? However, there is some context here to show you that, that I actually kind of counted about three different ways that this lady could be considered an outcast. So let's look at the first one, okay? The one way is, first off, she's a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan, okay? Now, that might not mean much to you, but I want you to think about one of the biggest rivalries you can think about. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They did not like each other. In fact, the Samaritans, if they were to touch, the, the Jews had laws about this, where if a Samaritan was to touch a cup of a Jewish person, they would say, don't even drink it. Like, don't even, don't even touch it. Like, they hated each other. Think about Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. Think about Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberals, right? Like, I remember when I worked at the bank, I had just moved up here. I was, I was pretty new to Ohio still, and I'm standing in line. I started supporting the Buckeyes, but I'm standing in line, and I see this guy come up in his Buckeye shirt, and then a guy behind him was in a Michigan shirt, and, uh, and the guy in the Michigan shirt said, hey, would you speed it up a little bit? And the guy goes, man, shut up. We beat your team every, every year. And I was, like, what does that have to, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? All right. And he goes, and then the guy goes, and they, and they start, start yelling at each other. And I'm sitting here, and I've never seen this before. I've never seen two people over a team go crazy like this. And our, our police officer had to escort them out of the building. But through the whole time, they were just like, you're the worst. You suck. And they're cussing at each other. And I'm like, I was like, where am I? So I got home and I told my wife about it. And I said, Britt, I saw the craziest thing today. And she goes, yeah, that happens. These these Buckeye and Michigan fans, man, they do not like each other. And I said, 
Okay, all right, I get this now. So picture kind of like that, just a little bit worse, okay? Because a Samaritan, I mean, these were different types of people, right? It was a different race of people. And so, so first off, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. So the first, really, the, the, the kind of the first strike against this lady is that she's a Samaritan. So that's strike one. That would make her an outcast to Jews, okay? Strike two. Here's strike two. This sounds terrible nowadays, but back then it wasn't. Strike two is that she was a woman, okay? Now, some of you guys are going to be like, what? What are you talking about? But back in those days, man, a man, especially a Jewish man, did not talk to Samaritan women. They were way beneath him. So if somebody came up and saw Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a Samaritan. That's a chick. You need to move along, Jesus. Move along, all right? But Jesus didn't think this way, right? He was not racist. He was not sexist. Now, there's a third reason, which we'll talk about a little bit more here in a little bit, but um, not only was she a Samaritan, not only was she a woman, but um, she was drawing water at noon. Now, what the heck does that mean? I remember when I was reading this, and, and uh, whenever you read Scripture, it's always good to notice uh, statements, and then you look, and you got to ask yourself, like, why is that there? Why did the author want me to know this? Now, there is some significance to this line here where I think it, what verse was it? It was uh, verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noontime. Now, let me tell you, back in these days, in this area that they're in, it gets really hot. It gets very hot. And these guys realized, uh, the women who would go and draw the water, they realized that the best time to draw water was when? Was it noon? No. It was in the morning, right, when the sun is not, not at its brightest yet. So they would go in the morning, they would draw their water, and it would be great. So why in the world is this lady drawing water at the hottest part of the day or one of the hottest parts of the day at noon? And the answer is in the next part of the, part of the scripture I'm going to read you. So let me read it to you. So real quick, we have, we, we've kind of set the scene here. We see who our outcast is. We've got Jesus. We have the outcast. Now we're going to see a transformation here, okay? So let's go ahead and um, read John chapter 4, verses 13 to 19. Follow along. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said I don't have a husband, Jesus said. Essentially, he's saying, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have five husbands, or I'm sorry, you've had five husbands, and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now imagine her surprise. She says, sir, I see that you are a prophet, <laughs> right? Which means you're kind of a big deal, right? How do you know these things about me? So we see that this lady here, you could say she's lived a promiscuous life, right? She's had multiple husbands. She's had five husbands. And the guy that she's living with now currently is not her husband, I read, I read some, uh, some commentary on this, and a lot of people think that the reason the author mentions that it's noon is because she was too embarrassed to go get water in the morning when all the other ladies were there. Think about this. She's an outcast, right? For sure. She, so let's talk about the two things that she did that she didn't even uh, do that made her an outcast. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman, right? She can't control that. However, she has sexual sin in her life, and that has made her an outcast in her community. What do they do? They've shunned her. We, we don't know the whole story here, but like I said, a lot of people believe that the whole reason she didn't go to the well was because she wanted to avoid seeing people who would just look at her as an outcast. 
If you've ever been rejected or looked down upon, you'll realize that it's, it's really easy to just kind of avoid the situation, isn't it? It's easy to say, you know, I just, I'm just not going to go over there. I'm just going to let them do their thing. And this is exactly what she was doing. We are, um, uh, the, the second point here is, and you can put this up on the screen there, uh, Burleson, is she has gone from outcast to insider. Okay, she's gone. She is now considered to be an insider. Now, this, the reason I'm saying this is because this is all based on how Jesus is viewing her here. Does Jesus see her as an outcast? No, not at all. He sees, in fact, he's, he's kind of drawn her in, right? And, and there's, a, there's a couple ways that we know this. Look at, look at what he did. Is he, uh, he, it's not that he was pulling out her sin to make her like, uh, to condemn her right there on the spot. I believe the reason that he did this was to really was to show, hey, you know, I'm God. Like, I, I can see. You can't hide anything from me, right? And so, so the fact that he did that really just showed that he was God to her. But there's two ways that, that Jesus here made this lady an insider. And here it is. Ready? The first one is he simply had a conversation with her. He simply had a conversation with her. If you see a guy sitting at a table uh, all by himself at lunch, he has no friends, no nothing, and you go and you sit beside this person and begin to chat with him, are you showing that person that they're an outcast in your eyes? No, you're showing them that you are like, hey, 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 listen, I'm not going to treat you that way. You're an insider with me. So that's the first thing. The second thing he did was he, I mean, he essentially shares the gospel here, doesn't he? He says, hey, hey, do you never want to be thirsty again? I will show you the well of living water, which obviously he's talking about himself here. He's saying, hey, you know, I, I am this living water. Drink of me and you will never go thirsty again. So Jesus clearly does not see her as, as an outsider. He, see, or he sees her as an insider now. It, it's funny to me um, how if I, if I was to bring this whiteboard up on stage here, I could probably draw a triangle and we could come up with a hierarchy of sin right? What are, what are some sins that are worse than others? So if I said murder, I agree. I, I would imagine we would, we'd probably think that that would be towards the top of the, the triangle. Wouldn't you agree? Hannah, would you agree? Would you agree? <laughs> Just say yes, all right? So you can say it was at the top. Uh, stealing a piece of candy from a store would probably be closer to the bottom, all right? The problem that we run into is the church over the last however many years we, we've categorized these sins into different hierarchies, and we've bumped sins up to the top that seem worse than others. For instance, homosexuality, right? The church has bumped this right up to the top. Like, we're just like, man, if, you, if you're this, it's bad, right? You're really bad. Um, and, and then other sins, we, we've kind of moved down to the bottom. It used to be a big deal that you would go around and, and, and sleep around with a bunch of people, but now it's kind of just the thing, right? It's just society, right? And it's, it's just what we do. And the church doesn't even look at that. I mean, we, we do, but it's not, we don't make a big deal out of that sin as we do other sins. And what I, love about, what I love about Jesus here is, you know, he goes up to this lady and he says, hey, I mean, you, you've, you've been a bad girl, right? I mean, he could have said this, but he looked right past the sin because he didn't see her as an outcast. Her sin didn't define her. Have you got, do you guys, um, you guys are too young to know this, but eventually you're going to have to get insurance, okay? When I, I remember I got life insurance, my wife says, hey, if you ever kick the bucket, I need to make some money off of your death. And I said, okay. So we, we called the life insurance person in, and what they got to do is they got to come in and examine you. So this, this life insurance agent came in, and he says, all right, come take a seat, come take a seat. And he's starting to ask me questions. He draws my blood. He asked me a couple questions like, do you smoke? And I said, no, I do not smoke. And he goes, okay, good. And I said, why is that good? And he goes, well, if you smoke, it could end, shorten your life and uh, 
it, we might charge you more for your insurance because you're more of a liability. And I said, okay, all right, what else? And he goes, do you ever work out? And I was like, well, obviously no, um, but uh, I'm trying to. You know, I'm trying to do that a little bit more. And he goes, do you exercise at all? And I said, well, I work for Pastor Frank, so sometimes, yes, because he has us move people all the time. And, uh, and, I, and he's just asking me these questions about myself. Am I a smoker? Do I do drugs? He's like, do you do drugs? And I'm like, no. Does anybody say yes? <laughs> you know? but, but he's asking me these questions. And the reason is he wants to know the things that I've done. His decision will be based on how bad I treat my life. Okay? He, his decision, like if I smoked, if I never exercised, if I ate junk food all the time, if I uh, did drugs and stuff he would probably go back to his job and say, you know, we don't want to insure this guy because he's going to be dying pretty soon, okay? And we won't make our money off of this guy, right? Aren't you so glad that Jesus doesn't do that to us? Could you imagine if you got to heaven and you, you go, hey, God, I'm ready to come into heaven. And he goes, okay, let's look through your past sins. All right, let's see what we got here. Ooh, that was a bad one. All right, yeah, well, we'll look past that one. Oh, that was another bad. You did that. You did what? You know, and, and it's like, thank the Lord that God doesn't do that to us, okay? Now, let's, let's finish off. Let's finish off with this last point here, okay? We've got the girl who goes from, adv- or she goes from outcast to insider. Let's look at the last one. Go ahead, hit that last slide for me, okay? She goes to advocate. Now, the coolest thing about when a person who is like a person who comes to know Jesus from a terrible situation tends to be the biggest cheerleader for God a lot of times because they realize, they go, man, when I was down and out, when people were looking down on me, you didn't. Jesus, you you took me in. And it really grows an appreciation. They become an advocate for this person. Let's read this last passage here. This is John chapter 4, verses 39 to 42. Listen to this. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves, and we now know that this really is the Savior of the world. Let me paraphrase paraphrase what they said there. They said, hey, uh, Samaritan lady, because of what you were saying, we looked into this guy, and now we believe you. He is a prophet. He is the Savior of the world. Because of this lady's testimony, all of these people came to know Jesus Christ. She was an advocate for him. It's a pretty awesome thing. I, uh, let me finish by telling this story, and then we'll break into our groups. I have, um, we, we, we live out in the country, and what I've noticed about living in the country is that random cats will show up on my property, okay? And I'm pretty sure it's people just dropping their cats in my yard and driving away. Maybe that's it. I don't know. So there was this, this really uh, small cat that was right outside my window, and when the weather started to turn colder, um, it's, I don't like cats, okay? I don't, I don't really like dogs either. I'm not an animal person. And I just remember being in my kitchen, and I look over to my sliding door, and I see this cat there, and it's just looking at me. And it's like, Meow. it's like the cat from Shrek, you know, where its eyes get all big. And, and I'm like, I'm making my food, and I'm, I'm like, this freaking cat is looking at me, and it's like, it's, it's trying to get me to let it in, but I'm not going to do it, okay? I'm not going to let some stray flea-infested cat come in my house and kill my children in their sleep, right? I didn't know what this cat would do. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, and my wife comes over, and she goes, oh, it's a cute little kitten. And I said, it's a cat, yeah. I was like, we can't let it in, Britt. I don't know if it's got worms. I, I don't know anything about this cat. 
And she goes, all right, this cat, I'm not kidding you, this cat came to my house every day for about a month, every night. And then it was, when it wasn't cold out, it wasn't that big of a deal. But then the weather got really cold, and her meow started to get a little more high pitch. Like it was like, like extra pitiful, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, and it was really starting to get to me. I told you that I, the animals, I, I never was a big animal person until I shot my first raccoon, and then I felt terrible about it, you know? And I feel this way about this cat where I'm just like, oh, it's freezing out there. I don't know if I should let it. And so then my kids named this cat. They called the cat Pixie, which, you know, all of my kids are named after uh, Robin, or Robin Hood, uh, Peter Pan characters, and Pixie, you know, is, is a Pixie fairy or whatever. So they're like, we're going to call it Pixie. And so my, cat, my kids would play with the cat, through the window. It was like boy in the plastic bubble. So they'd be like, hey, kitty. And I was like, don't touch that cat. You don't know. So then one day, my wife, I, I come home, and I see Pixie in my house. And I said, Britt, what, what are you doing? And she goes, don't worry. I went, and I had the cat, the cat fixed while you were at work and all this stuff. And I was like, so we're keeping the cat? And she goes, yeah, we're going to let it come in. It's too cold out there. And part of me was pretty happy. I was like, all right, this is okay. This isn't too bad, you know? And the funniest thing happened is my wife, would, she was sitting on the, on the couch. I'm sitting in my chair, and we're watching TV. And Pixie comes and crawls right up my wife's shoulder and just sits down on her shoulder and starts nuzzling her face in my wife's cheek. And I'm sitting there, and I was like, this cat loves you. And she goes, yeah, you know, whatever. So then the cat comes and walks and, and gets on my lap and cl climbs up and, and starts nuzzling it. And I'm just like, oh, you, you cute little kitty, you know. And I'm, and I'm all of a sudden, I'm, I, I like this cat now. And I'm just like... Wow, this is a nice, cute little cat. And guys, this happened every day for weeks. This cat, it was like it was saying, thank you, thank you. And I told my wife, I said, it's the craziest thing that this cat is so appreciative of what we brought her out of, right? This cat was living in a freezing cold Arctic of the Ohio wilderness. And we brought this cat in, and this cat really showed us appreciation. And I got to tell you guys, I... I looked at my wife and I said, this is going to be a sermon illustration. I was like, look at this. This is what happens. When, when people know what they've been saved from, it's funny how you, know, you should be so appreciative of it. This woman here, this Samaritan woman at the well, she, guys, she, she was ridiculed. She was uh, looked down upon. I mean, people probably said horrible, horrible things about her. But because Jesus doesn't see outsiders, the moment somebody showed her love and showed her, hey, hey, you are somebody, you are valuable, you do have worth, what did she do? She went away and told everybody about it. She said, hey, 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 I got to tell you what this guy just did for me. Hey, I got to tell you what this guy just did for me. And one after one, people started getting saved because of it. So here's what I want to do. Tonight, I want you guys to be thinking to yourself, okay? Again, the, the two kinds of people here tonight. If you feel that you are this outcast, that, that you feel that, you, uh, that you've done something so terrible that can be never forgiven, guys, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Every person in this room at one point was an outcast. Every single person in this room has committed a sin that technically made them an outcast to God. Look back at the Garden of Eden, right? What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? is they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They had to be. Sin, sin cannot be, God cannot be around sin like that. And I always, I always thought it was funny that people would be like, why did God kick them out? I'm like, no, no, no. No, God didn't kick them out. They kicked themselves out. They sinned. They were the ones who did it. God told them, hey, hey, here, here's the penalty if you do this. And they were the ones who did it, right? 
So that means that that is passed down to every one of us. Everybody in this room at one point has sinned. Everybody in this room at one point has, uh, has turned their back on God. And guys, that means that everybody in this, this room at one point was an outcast. But thank God that he did not see us that way. Thank the Lord that he does not look at us like we're some worthless piece of garbage that should be discarded on the curb. He loves us. I want to show you one more video, and then we'll finish. And this is a video. If you, have you guys ever heard of the band Wren Collective? I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. I love Wren Collective. They are awesome. They're a bunch of Irish people who uh, I saw them do this music video, and they did an acoustic version of them, and they had their Lucky Charms box sitting up beside them. And I was like, that's funny because they're Irish. But um, they have a song called No Outsiders. And I'll be honest with you, it was actually this song that encouraged this series in my mind because uh, you'll, you'll, see, you'll hear the chorus of it, and they talk about... There are no outsiders when it comes to God's love. So I want you to hear this song, listen to it, and if you are a Christian, if you are a person who loves Jesus with your whole heart, you should see people the way Jesus does. There are no outside, there are no outcasts, there are no outsiders, okay? Go ahead and uh, hit the video for me. All we've been trying to say tonight is this, that the good news is that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, there are no outsiders to the love of God. Let's make that our anthem tonight.
good song, huh? I like that song. I want to read you the chorus of that real quick, just in case you couldn't hear all of it. Um, it says, there, there are no outsiders to your love. We are all welcome. There's grace enough. When I've wandered, Lord, your cross is the open door. There are no outsiders. I'm not an outsider to your love. Isn't that awesome? So, guys, let me, let me just encourage you before we leave is that if you know people who think that they're outcasts or they feel that they're outcasts, you as a Christian, you should do something about that. Speak to this person. Invite them to church. Tell them about Jesus. Just talk to them, right? The moment, the moment that we as Christians can stop seeing people as outsiders and outcasts is the moment when people will come to know Jesus more, okay? So be thinking of that this week. Like, think about are there people that you have pushed away? Are there people that society has pushed away? And I think what you'll find is people that society has pushed away tend to be really open to a loving hand, right? To a loving person to say something. Let me pray for us real quick. I'm going to have Erica come up and help me with an announcement, and then we'll, we'll get started, okay? Or we'll, we'll get started with our small groups. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everybody that's here, God. And, and Lord, I'm grateful for um, this passage of Scripture, God, that tells about how in your eyes there are no outsiders. God, there's example after example of this as we're going to learn more this month, God. But God, I, I just, I, I pray that we can see people the way you do, that we can look at people with a loving compassion the way that you did when you were here on earth, God. Lord, if there are people in our lives that we can minister to, if there are outcasts that we know in our schools, in our families, in our neighborhoods, God, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the compassion to do something about it. We're all a bunch of outcasts. We're all a bunch of people who turned our back on you, God, but you did not ever turn your back on us. I pray that we remember that. I pray that like my cat, Pixie, that we can be so grateful for what you did in our lives, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise in your name. And all of God's children said, amen.